0: Welcome to the SCP Submission Coalition podcast. This is episode number fifty-seven. Yes, fifty-seven. Um, we've got Eddie Diaz from Macho Blades. Um, line.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: For a second there, <laughs> I'm driving on I-4 right now, so. Uh, I was uh, I was uh, trying to look at two different things, but uh, no, we've known Eddie for a little bit of time now. He trains at an academy called Toughest Nails down in Oviedo. I think it's Oviedo, but uh, super cool dude. Love the work he's doing with his knives. Uh, he's passionate about his blades and jujitsu, two things that I can get into heavily. So check him out, Eddie Diaz of Macho Blades.
2: Hello. Can you guys hear me?
0: Yes. Yeah, we can hear you. Perfect. Now, are you are you audio only or is there video as well?
2: I don't know there should be video. Why isn't it uh, seeing the video? Hold on. We don't typically
0: post the video, but yeah, we're working on it. Here, let's see. Hmm. Turning up some volume. We're not, uh, we're not professional yet. Uh, I, I, the way we equate it, we're, we're barely two strike white belts at this thing.
2: I hear you. So it's cool you that know, you guys are doing it though.
0: We're still, uh, you know, we're still just using the microphone off the uh, computer, off the computer, and the camera off the computer. It's, it's on my wish list. I want to order some stuff, but
2: yeah, I honestly don't know why it's not. Um...
0: Yeah, like I said, it's all good. We we mostly right now just post the uh, the audio anyway. Yeah, we're working. I could do it
2: from my phone if you guys wanted the video.
0: Nah, nah, we're good. good. Okay, it's one of those man. See, I mean to 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 be doing video and audio. See, that's professional. We're not. We're not. (laughs)
2: That's your boy Lou.
0: I know. (laughs) He calls himself the unprofessional breakdown, but that looks like a professional production.
2: Yeah, all that um that rapping experience got his audio yeah. like skills down. He can uh, you got
0: to do, do more like we did. We did an entire interview and forgot to record it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll never do that again.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: that was we a good had lesson, a, a huh?
0: World, world champion black belt. That uh, yeah, we we thought this was I, I wouldn't say a once in a lifetime, but it was a uh, it was definitely a special opportunity that we got. Yeah and yeah we, we, have, we, <laughs> we <recorded>. <laughs> <laughs> the, the look on her face um she was very disappointed Ugh,
1: we've been that talking is, for like an hour and
0: a half yeah we haven't oh, uh, we haven't no. heard back from her since that is hilarious that's unprofessional yeah.
2: <laughs> it was a good drive run good practice yeah drillers well, make how us, right? going. That was it going that was a good show it's been good um I've been doing, so I'm like totally on my own now. I started a network security consulting business. Nice. That's when you start that. I actually started it March of last year.
0: Nice man. Good job.
2: So it's, it's been uh, slowly growing and uh, yeah, that's really what's been taking most of my time. So like my background on a, you know, professional side has been um, network security so I've, I've got like 11 years experience setting up firewalls. And, now, I'm know. telling you right now,
0: this this uh, is not secure. Um, there's probably <laughs> three hackers in here right now. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's security concerns about Zoom and, and all oh, yeah. the um, yeah. video apps for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I started in. And I just decided to branch out and do my own thing there. And um, yeah, um that mixed with uh, macho blades has been my two um you know endeavors here i've been trying to go after
0: nice well that and then obviously training getting in your uh, your jiu-jitsu time
2: yeah no and that's honestly has has been something i want to get back into more um because you just feel better when you train
0: you know Oh, absolutely
2: but um that part has definitely been slacking. Um, know, I've been a purple belt for a long time. <laughs> so
0: okay. So how, how long, how long, oh,
2: man, years I've been in the purple belts. Wow. I've probably been a purple belt for, I don't know how long it's been four years plus. Okay.
0: okay. Like that. So I, I think um, I was seven.
2: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Almost all my ranks were, uh,
2: well, you know, you guys come from a background that's notorious for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's what we know about Caesar Gracie. That when you see a Caesar Gracie black belt, that's pretty legit.
0: Well, our our lineage, so we were, so my instructor, Eric Shingu, I was already training with him in Okinawa and Goju. And then one day he comes to me and says, Hey, what do you know about these uh, these Gracie brothers? And now I I was a consummate martial artist, man. I was absorbing everything I could, and I already knew about the Gracie Challenge, and I knew all about that stuff. And so when he when he you know said, "Hey, what do you know about the Gracies?" man, I got excited because I thought I thought he found one local, hmm. uh, and then I was kind of deflated, still excited but kind of deflated when he told me that they were uh, he found Caesar and Health in San Francisco. Now for us. That was still two and a half to three hours away, depending on traffic. Right. And you know when you're when you're making minimum wage, and I, which at the time period minimum wage was four dollars and twenty five cents. <laughs> um, you know, man, that, it might as well have been another state or another country. Um, right. I, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna be able to right. make it there. So I I trained with him in the shadows when he was a white belt before we even got the uh, affiliation with Caesar. So. i didn't even get my my blue until after he got his purple
2: Mm, okay so
0: so that that's that's another one of those reasons why we were also kind of sitting so uh so long is you know we were we were always with eric and then so it wouldn't i wouldn't get promoted until after eric would get promoted right right when, when eric got brown then i got purple and then the part where it stalled out was my brown belt Um, That's why purple was such a kind of a a really long one. And uh, because Eric got a uh, prosthetic hip. And so uh, his training kind of slowed down a little bit, that kind of stuff. And then one day he came to me and he goes, hey, he goes, "Uh, I talked to Caesar. He goes, because it's, you know, he goes, just because I can't really train that much. He goes, you know, I don't want you to get held back. He goes, so I talked to Caesar and he goes, I want you to enter the U.S. Open as a brown belt.'" And I was like, all right, that sounds cool. Um, so I entered and then it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. I'm entering one of the largest tournaments in California <laughs> as a brown belt. I'm screwed. Like if I don't get promoted, I can't, I can't just show up at another tournament in a purple belt.
2: Right, like, right. Now you're committed. <laughs> right now. I'm, now I'm committed. So I,
0: I called up Eric and, uh, and I was like, Hey, um, you know, I, I went ahead and I entered and I'm kind of excited about it. I'm like, but then I presented that, you know, to him. I'm like, what if, what if I don't do well, you know? And he goes, well, you better win then. (laughs) (laughs) Pressure's on. (laughs) So, so what ended up happening was I went to the tournament. I won. Um, I took gold in the, uh, in the Brown, uh, in my division. And then I took third in the absolute. And two months later, I I wasn't promoted. Uh, Not, not quite yet. But two months later, I went to a Marcelo Garcia seminar, and the guy I beat in the finals, it was at his home gym. Oh, so, snap. I walk in wearing my purple belt, <laughs> and I saw him, and I was like, oh, shit. Um, so I went over, and I, I, I go, man, hey, um, I, go, I just want to talk to you real quick. And he goes, dude, what are you doing here? <laughs> he goes, what are you doing, man, besides haunting my dreams? That's hilarious. Oh uh, he's a cool guy though. Uh we're still still quasi in contact with each other via Facebook, stuff like that. So how, how did you how did you get into uh first let's start with jujitsu? How how did I love origin stories of like what, what motivated people to even begin and then you know keep going down this crazy life?
2: Right. Yeah, mine's is kind of funny. Um so I'm big into or I was really big into gaming at the time, right? All I right. just got out of the Air Force, so I was in the Air Force. Um, got into a game called World of Warcraft. Yep, yep. While in the Air Force, um, and I was spending a lot of time at this game. There was this was like a point in the game. You had um, you had to like meet up regular times weekly with like groups of 40, 50 guys at the oh, same wow. time to okay. get anything done. It was like a schedule. It was like a lot of time. It work. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. And um, then an update came out to the game, like the first big update, and like some random um armor dropped from like just a random little mob that I killed, and it was better than the gear that I had spent months and months farming, you know, spending all that time. I said, why am I spending so much time making some fictional character better? Yeah, (laughs) uh, when I can spend that time on myself. Uh and then the funny thing was in the game and in most like fantasy style games, I'm always a warrior blacksmith. Okay. So I said, you know what, let me level up those two things in real life. And I started um, training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and wanted to get into MMA. And then that's also where I started making knives. Nice. So I just started trying to put the real time in <laughs> instead of, you know, a virtual character, uh, put that time in, in real life and see where it could take me.
0: So crazy part is your story and my story are very similar. <laughs> okay. Now, really different generations. <laughs> I played a crap ton of Dungeons and Dragons, um, game called Champions. Uh, My my buddies and I, uh, we would get together every day at lunch when we were in school. Uh, That's how we would spend all of our lunch breaks. Um, Weekends, we would get together on a Friday night and we would play role play games all the way through until Sunday at about six o'clock and no sleep. Nice. And that's what we did. man. All, since we were in elementary school, this is what we did. Um, every, I mean, the games would change. It'd be a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. Games would change. And then eventually, you know, eventually Nintendo comes out and then we start to play a little bit of that console type stuff because right, the, right. uh, the, uh, the PC games weren't, weren't there yet. Um, and then one day, I, I was already doing that. I, I trained a little bit in Taekwondo. And then we got into college and I remember one day my, my buddies were pestering me to, to come train or to come play. And then I told them, I said, look, guys, um, I said, This is this is amazing, but like I wanna I wanna do this. I'm like, because we started playing martial arts characters. Mm. And like I'm I I told him at one point in time, I said, guys, I can't play, I can't do this anymore. I said, I'm literally becoming my character
2: right exactly Uh,
0: like you guys are still (laughs) role-playing it and and i'm literally becoming it i'm living the life that we play
2: exactly no that's exactly what i thought and i said you know because i mean it's funny but in the game too in world of warcraft on top of being a blacksmith you had to do like all this extra end game stuff to become a weaponsmith and they were very sought after in the game, and I had it. I spent so many hours doing all these different things. I said, "And what skill do I have? Like I don't have nothing for all that time. It's just some game, and right. just like you said, it's bringing that character to life." And I said, "You know what? Let me just start trying to
0: figure out how to make knives." So um, now, <clears throat> prior to this, were you already dabbling in knife making, or no? So, no. so this was a desire you hadn't touched yet.
2: Right. I was always into knives. Like, my, I remember my very first knife was a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, you have a Swiss Army knife when you're a kid, man. You just, you think you got Excalibur or something, you know?
0: I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I mean, like, when, when I first started, I did not want to learn Taekwondo. I did not want to learn that. I wanted to learn swords. Oh, if, nice. If, if my parents could have found, like, an IADO school, or something of that nature, or kendo, who, who knows where I would be right now? Um, but I, I, I wanted to learn sword fighting so badly. Um,
2: yeah, still, I, 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 I'm so right there with
0: blades. Blades have played a major part of my childhood and my life. Um, I don't remember a time, you know, even as a young kid, that I didn't have a knife. Um, now, granted, I was dumb and I wasted a lot of money on a lot of piss poor stuff. Um, you know, but even to this day, man, I I love a good knife. Um, I'm, I'm real, I have a small, small collection. I don't have as much as I used to. Um, I gave some away, I sold some, we needed some money and that kind of stuff, but, um.
2: Nice. Yeah. I mean, I just love, um, all of that and specifically a lot of the Japanese stuff, seeing how, as I started like going down that rabbit hole, it just started, you know, like really, um, becoming so interesting to me how they would have different masters do different things to like a katana right you had a, right. a guy that just polished it that's all he did and right and it was fine he was just a master <clears throat> polisher you know then you had you know the the um guys who just made the scabbard and you know the guys who would just do the um uh the tempering right to get that temper line down the blade right um, yeah that was that and thing. it was just a hormone yep <laughs> and, and it's just uh, seeing all that just fascinated me, and it really uh, is what fascinated me about Japan. There's so many other arts. One of my other hobbies is bonsai, so okay, and it goes down that same like path. I, I see a lot of things in Japanese culture where it's all about almost like super niche. Just become be the best you can be at your thing. Yes, and I love that.
0: Yeah, that's that's a, a very strong philosophy you know, it's, it's don't, don't try to do a lot of things, but do what you do to the best of your ability. That's why, like, even <clears throat> when you see people doing like the tea ceremonies and things of that nature, um, you know, even then just even, even something as simple as pouring the tea, um, you know, it, it, it's attempted to be, done. they have a whole process. Yes.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I, I was,
0: I, I started in, in Taekwondo, which, um, it, it served its purpose for me, to be honest. It served its purpose, but I fell in love with uh, more like the Japanese Okinawan styles and the movies. Um, mm-hmm. nice. I love the. Uh, I used. To, I mean, I grew up watching the, uh, the the Chinese, the kung fu films, the Shaw Brother films, you know, the Man with the Golden Arm, and and uh, Five Deadly Phantoms. You know, all all those different films, everything else, but. Um, when I started watching the Japanese films, like the Kurosawa, you know, Seven Samurai, um, films of that nature, uh, I, I really dug that a lot more, um, and and became much deeper into the the whole you know, Japanese ideologies and philosophies, especially when it came to film.
2: Yeah, no, and you know, Japan's definitely a place I want to go and visit just because. The martial arts, the knife making, the bonsai, like there's all these different things that I personally like that, um, you know, just originated there, you know, even going back um, uh, again to the martial arts and how it came to Brazil and then how it's come to the U.S. and everything. Um, And then the other thing where they hyper focus, I think I appreciate it so much because I'm kind of opposite. I'm like a jack of all trades right that seems to be my my superpower i can be good at a, i can be like good at a lot of things um so i kind of envy that you know like somebody who just can focus on one thing and just be great at it
0: so once once you decided to pull yourself away from world of warcraft was was jiu jitsu already on your radar was that already something you were looking at or what 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 steered you towards Uh, jiu-jitsu as an art
2: so i actually grew up um all boxing i was a boxing guy um so i originally started looking into like striking martial arts and then i remember finding uh ufc right and watching that first ufc and going whoa because i'm not a big guy myself right so seeing what hoist did i said what is this stuff like this is crazy how do he do that he's so much smaller than them you know um And then I just looked up a school, and there was a Gracie Baja in Orlando, nice. And and I was working around there, so I said, you know what? Let me just head over there after work. And I went over there, and like most people's stories, I got whooped. Got the you know the bug bit me. Yeah.
0: The bug either bites you, or yeah, because usually we we tell people because because once they give you their business card and show you how effective they can be. Either you go, wow, that was, you know, incredible. And I want to learn how to do that. And you stay, or people go, man, I never want to feel like that again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've definitely seen both of those, but um, I think it's that competitive side in me. Right. So as soon as I was like, oh, I got to figure out how to get this guy back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. It's like chess. I would do that. I mean, with my brother, we'd race to the door to see who could get, person, <laughs> you know? So, um, but yeah, once that hit me, I started doing, so I started in jujitsu and I really wasn't thinking about MMA at first. Um, but like everything, I'm like, all right, well, let me see if this jujitsu stuff, you know, I had become a blue belt, had done some tournaments. I said, let me see if this can, work in a real fight like if can I really defend myself being a jiu-jitsu guy and so I ended up um, saying you know you know what, I'm gonna take a fight I started actually training at that time at um, Alliance Orlando okay um, and uh, yeah I, I started again with MMA with like Jim and Mitch and Bill all those guys over there um, and really just started getting my butt kicked every day started learning some striking um and started trying to get all those skills and I took my first MMA fight and I was like wow this is this is pretty awesome that feeling you get like um the nerves and stuff before the fight and then yeah you know me getting that first fight and getting the win how good you feel from that it's like whoa it's a huge roller coaster
0: yeah so what was it like coming from I don't, I don't like the terms, but I got to use it coming from more of a sport jujitsu to an MMA jujitsu.
2: Definitely different, right? Uh, just, um, you know, cause you could be comfortable on your back and just play and, and, you know, uh, versus MMA, I, sh- I started trying to utilize some of those same tactics and then you just start getting beat up on the ground right exactly. you get into weird positions and they just start punching you're like oh that's a different factor i'm glad and for me it did exactly what i wanted it to do what how is this jujitsu going to help me if i really get into a fight so all of that sports jiu-jitsu you know kind of stuff started getting chipped away at when i started learning mma because i started learning yet yeah, nope this position is not going to help me <laughs> in a real way right, yeah you know um
0: or how or if, I'm using the position. I got to change up a little bit.
2: Yeah. And it's just, so it, it definitely did what I wanted it to do. And, and yeah, there was definitely a big difference there for sure.
0: Yeah. See, we were the other way around when, <clears throat> when we started Jiu Jitsu and MMA might as well have been the same thing because um, everybody who was, who was coming in the, the, what, what sold them was UFC one. Right. So everybody was coming in. So UFC, MMA, it wasn't even called MMA at the time period. It was called No Holds Barred or NHB. Um, But it was always coming in with that mentality. Was that, I mean, the the whole concept of, I mean, I don't even think, Caesar threw one of the first real tournaments in California. And that didn't even start until all, 1999 was the first tournament that he threw. Um, and so, I mean, we we were already training for five years, six years, hmm. you know, before the first tournament even really even popped up. Other than, I mean, we did some little in-house stuff, um, right? But the whole idea of you know, let's let's train and go do a tournament was kind of an odd thing. And then it's one of those things I'm, I'm kind of learning a little bit more now, um, doing Robert Drysdale's you know close guard and waiting for his documentary to hit. You know, like I, I didn't realize how young truly speaking, that the uh, IBJJF is. I, I thought it was older, to be honest with you. How uh, old is it? Um, I got to look because uh, Robert Drysdale, he was throwing out some dates that realistically speaking, the explosion of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in Brazil really didn't even happen until after UFC 1. Mm. So their, their explosion in itch. Brazil almost mirrors the explosion in the u.s like like we i always thought that you know that it was a much deeper thing in brazil before it came to us um but in in robert drysdale's you know book uh opening to close guard and in his interviews i mean he's really talking that uh that that whole explosion you know really takes place after the ufc hits and and even explodes in uh in Brazil at that same time.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I mean I thought the same thing. I thought it was already huge in Brazil. But I mean that tells you that UFC 1 did exactly what the Gracies wanted it to do. <laughs>
0: yeah, UFC 1 was was massive.
1: Best infomercial ever. ever.
0: Yep. So so according according <laughs> according to ibjjf.com it was founded in 2002. Oh wow. Was IBJJF. Oh. So when you're talking Caesar, with the help of my instructor, Sensei Eric, um, through what they called the Gracie Open in 1999. Yeah. So I mean, that's even wow. three years before,
2: which then makes JGF. sense.
0: Because when we're telling people, I'm like, when we were in California, I'm like, to be honest, I didn't even know what the, the IB IBJJF was. was, to be honest. Right. Uh, it, it, <clears throat> it was something that we learned a little bit later but it really didn't. There were other tournaments that had much deeper roots in California than yeah. IBJJF did. Nice. Um,
2: and, yeah, I and mean, the, you guys came from that whole other side, right? And when when yeah. we came
0: out here to Florida, I mean, there were people that were like, you know, you know, well, IBJJF. It's it's if you don't have IBJJF, then you're not legit. I was like, um, virtually <laughs> none of my friends are IBJJF, and theirs <laughs> as legit as they come
2: yeah right just just come train for a little, tell I mean, me <laughs> a little bit yeah that's hilarious um yeah i didn't know that i mean it, it also shows because ibjjf is uh gracie baja right that's their or the, yeah, the main Carlson guy gracie, uh, Carlson. Yeah. yeah so i mean he kind of he must he had the vision then uh on the yeah, I'm sorry, side. Carlos. Car- carlos carlos
0: gracie jr is the founder which yeah he's he's baja
2: yep so i mean and yeah, I mean, I saw UFC 1, but there was already so much when I started looking into jiu-jitsu. I, there was a crap load of tournaments. There was Nagas and oh, yeah. Grappling Quest.
0: <coughs> so about, about um, what year do you think your uh, your first introduction was? Oh, man. I, I don't even
2: know at this point. I was <sighs> – it has to be 2000, was I already over here? I don't know. It might be like 2009, 2008. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was um, Gracie Baja. They had uh, a Sand Lake um, school. And I was in, here, let me do the math. I was working for University of Phoenix, which... It's funny, I actually have my resume right here. (laughs) I'm looking at at it. Let me just pull it. Don't tell your boss. Yeah. (laughs) Um when was that? That's a good, you know, and that shows how long I've been kind of playing. Um, See, I I
0: associate uh, I don't I don't do dates well. Um I I know more like events. So like when we moved to Florida. Um, I know it was the year, or at least when I moved to Florida, it was the same year as UFC hundred, um, because hmm. that was my last competition in California or when we lived in California, right. um, we went to UFC hundred, we did the, uh, uh, grapplers quest at the fan expo. Right. And then I moved to Florida that November.
2: Nice. Yeah, I just looked at it. So I was in University of Phoenix from 2007 to 2009. I was a campus systems administrator. Um, and, uh, that's when I started. So it was probably right around 2008. So I've been on and off with jujitsu since then. Wow.
0: That's like I said, we, we I left California. So if I go, so if I go UFC 100, because I said that was a big deal for us. We, uh, That was July 11th, 2009.
1: And you left in November. And I left
0: in November. So that's when I left California.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. And what Uh, were you then? What belt were you at that time? Brown.
0: Brown. Nice. Yeah, I I, I competed at Grappler's Quest as a brown belt. And I did not have any opponents in my division. So they put me. Which is, I was very disappointed. We trained our ass off. I uh, I, I tweaked my knee, um, but we are, you know, we were thousands into that trip because um, mm. UFC Hundred. I mean, all the hotels were were expensive with registration, flight, hotels, and everything else. I think we were into it for about three grand. Um, wow. Yep. With yeah. uh, with Melissa competing, myself competing, Christian competing, um, which Christian got a suite. Uh, glass trophy, kind of like the uh, ultimate fighter, the one they hand out. Oh, nice. Because Christian got a first place in the team's gi, and then he took a second place in team's no gi, but got screwed over in the process because originally the schedule was supposed to be that there was supposed to be at about a two-hour break in between his division, but he was the only one doing both divisions, which is kind of typical. When, when we go to tournaments, man, it's, it's still weird. You see people do gi, you do, you see people do no gi, but there's not that many people that do, that do both all the time. Huh. And we always did. Um, so Christian, they were supposed to be two hours apart. They put them on the same mat at the same time. So oh, wow. they would do they would do a gi match, then they would do a no gi match. Gi match, no gi. gi, match, so he, had no no rest. gi. he had no rest. He had no rest. He had no rest. Um, but yeah, he ultimately took a, uh, he took first in gi and then he, uh, he lost to a referee's decision in no gi.
2: Oh, so he took it to the very, very end. It was, oh yeah, he got yeah. To, yeah. 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 You guys, uh, how, how long the, were you guys putting him in, in training at that point? How long had he been training?
0: Um, well, technically speaking, since the day he was born technically,
1: but officially in the gym he
2: was four years old <laughs> four years old wow see that's even early for most gyms right like what, what do you guys usually do is it five three well,
1: well we have a well, class that
0: changed, that changed way later now. yeah yeah we can change way later. Way later. Way later.
1: we have a three to six year old class right now that loosely could be called jujitsu but it's,
0: it's, it's mostly it's not, learning it's how, how to follow
1: directions and wrestle
0: <laughs> there you go it's pee wee dog pile
1: <laughs> it's hurting cats
0: <laughs> well, it's, like, it's like when christian used to play soccer when he was young Okay. I'm like, look, I mean, his coach was trying to do all these big strategies and everything else. He was trying to get him to play legit soccer. And then one day he, uh, the coach comes to me and says, he comes to me and says, Hey, I'm going to go on a hunting trip for two weeks. Can you coach the team while I'm gone? I was like, you got it. Um, so day one, as soon as we come up there I tell the kids, I go, look, I go, I got you guys for three games this weekend, next weekend, and the weekend after that, then your coach comes back. I said I have two goals to accomplish during that time period. One, goal number one is to make you wish that coach comes back, so that ultimately you guys have him back as a coach. That's that's my first goal, is is to, nice. to put push you guys so hard that you want him back. So then the other job is to to win. <laughs> um, I said so. Here's what we're going to do because I mean I, I I I knew the game, but you know with the kids at that age, so I was just like, look. I said, here's the goal. As I took a ball in my hand and I looked at one kid you know, and everything else and I threw it out there and I said, okay, everybody go, go get the ball, dribble it around, do this. And then I looked at like Christian, and a couple other kids. I said, go get me that ball. <laughs> like, there you go. That's your training. That's what we're doing. Go get me that ball. <laughs> don't, nice. don't, don't worry about playing like what position you are, things of that nature. I'm like, it's my ball anyway.
1: Yeah. So yeah, Christian started training at four, and he was competing by six.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah, you guys definitely had him going uh, early, and you can, you know, definitely uh, see. I mean, he's obviously enjoyed it, and his skills have uh, increased over the years. You know, seeing him. Great, in-
0: greatest thing, <coughs> greatest thing I ever did was I spent a decent amount of time, and I got Christian's friends to fall in love with it.
2: Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. I see the strategy there.
0: Once, once I got Christian's friends to think it was the coolest thing, he was hooked. That right. was it. Him and his friends were so competitive. I mean, they oh, yeah. they were like they were like a, a small pack of alpha males, you know. And they would not be outdone. I mean, you'd hear them argue constantly. Um, <laughs> if they're playing a game, they're constantly changing the rules because. You know, no one person within their group was really like the leader, um, so they were always fighting for that for that role. And so when Christian, when I got his friends to fall in love with jujitsu, basically Christian was like, "There's no way I can let my friends be better than me."
2: There you go. It's once you hit that competitive side, it's yep. on. And then Just that like was it. they say, you know, you run faster when you run with a partner.
0: Yeah, so. or when somebody's chasing you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's hilarious
0: it's a different motivation
2: (laughs) (laughs) yep 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 so did you ever get into mma did you ever have mma fights or or just stayed on the jiu-jitsu
0: side so as i tell people so technically speaking no um technically speaking i've had no official fights but i have to use the term technically um
1: with air quotes
0: with air quotes um because again at the time period I mean, there weren't a lot of places that had cages the way we know them now. There weren't a lot of places that that had rings, um, things of that nature. And
1: MMA was illegal in California for forever. Right.
0: So it was a Mm -hmm. a crap ton of underground type stuff. I spent, to be honest, I learned early on that I loved this sport deeply. I loved MMA. I loved jujitsu. I loved getting my face pounded in. It was not a big deal, Um, but compared to my training partners, their drive to win and compete was much higher than mine. So they were kind of like there was that huge bravado back then. And when the when when there was blood in the water. They went for the kill. And for me, when there was the blood in the water, um, it was still a game to me. Right. And so. At that point in time so i mean i i helped with sensei eric i helped a lot of guys um you know get ready for fights that ultimately fought in the ufc uh that fought and you know bellator fought and uh bow dog fight when that was around mm-hmm. yeah Clyde, i remember you know i had a bunch of training partners and the like i mean as i told christian i said i i've probably put in bare knuckle fight rounds Probably to a level to a quantity that's probably equal to all of theirs combined. Um, (laughs) Nice. I've done, um, I did, uh, I think, six full contact uh, matches that allowed grappling, but no submission. So we were allowed ground and pound. but it was weird, no subs. Yeah, because
2: the rules were really weird, weird back then too, right? You could have one thing, but not something else and because it well, wasn't and, and all so, sanctioned.
0: So one of the first major fights, I didn't do it, but I had like three, three friends on the car, <coughs> uh, Main Street Gym in Stockton, and it was kind of funny. So you go in there and you could pick their style out based on what gloves they chose. So some guys were going in there. I don't know if you remember like the, the really old school Kempo gloves. They looked like boxing gloves with fingers okay some of the guys were grabbing those and then you could look and you could always you could tell who the grapplers were because they were picking these little slim line um, harbinger bag gloves because uh, technically like at that point in time MMA gloves really didn't even exist yet um, so they were taking like harbinger bag gloves and like cutting the pad out of the palm um, you know things <laughs> of that nature um, and and so I mean, you go in there and you'd have one dude, with these little teeny tiny gloves on because because they were they were doing this they were trying to keep it safe so they so dudes wearing these little teeny tiny gloves and then the other dudes got these big monstrous Kempo gloves on um
2: nice so yeah you could tell right off the bat huh
0: but I man I I I loved it from day one when when I when I saw my first UFC um and then and then it killed me because I saw that the lion's den was out of lockford lockford for us was 20 minutes down the road um you know we lived in a, in a in a small small town called burson and when i saw you know when i saw them announce the first one ken shamrock out of lockford i was like oh shit you know i was like i gotta go i gotta go find them but i found sensei eric first um and then then it just turned out that that you know he went gracie so
2: nice yeah, yeah i mean
1: like, like i said these are not
0: good at that point uh, they weren't i mean our group and the shamrocks were not because you had you had no. dennis sensei dennis my, my instructor's brother trained at both places i mean he, he would train with the shamrock he trained with frank he trained with ken Trained with you know all the crew and then and then uh one of the guys i trained taekwondo with through high school uh vernon white was one of the first members of the lion's den
2: Oh, you trained with Vernon White? Yeah, I, oh. I, I remember him. Yeah, and Lions Den was one of the first, like um
0: They were teams. the first team. Like the first yeah. re- well, other than the graces Um they they were the first like non-family team.
2: <clears throat> right. Yeah, they were like a team and they were like notoriously hard to get on the team. Yeah, they made yeah, you do I mean, crazy they would be stuff. The
1: shit out of you. <laughs>
0: yeah. But yeah, I uh, I trained Taekwondo with Vernon all the way through high school. We graduated, we were the same class in high school. Um, so we were uh no, he was mine. Oh, he was yours. Oh, so he was the one behind one year behind me. His sister was yours. No, that's right. That's right. Tabitha was in my grade, my grade. But yeah, I, I trained uh taekwondo with him. And then so after high school, I went to the police academy. And then after high school, he started training in other martial arts and then ultimately found Ken in Lockford, of all places. And uh, and huh. then he then he went train, you know, fought you know over in Pancrase and Pride and ultimately UFC. Um, yep
2: no he's one of the ogs oh yeah sure yeah that's pretty crazy so did you ever going back to you a little bit um police academy did you ever pursue that were you ever a a cop at one
0: point or no Nope. no never so so i went into the police so i graduated high school in 1989 then i did my first year in college um i'll admit that it was a very distracting year and uh, my grades weren't, weren't the best, but that has nothing to do with, uh, with all that. You know, um, you know I, was a, I, was a, I was a loner that year. Most of my friends went either military or were still in high school. So um, I did 89 to 90, um, did my first year in college and then I found the police academy. So um, I graduated high school at 17. I submitted my paperwork to the academy when I was 18. Um, in California at the time period, in order to be a sworn officer, I think it was 20 and a half. Um, uh, okay, so you had to wait. Well, so I, I, I actually got accepted at 18 into the police academy. I was one of the youngest people in my, uh, actually in the academy period. Um, but, so I went in in October of 1990, and then I, I graduated in 91, and it was during that time period that the whole Rodney King um, um, issues happened in LA or in the in then 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 everything blew up and during that time period you know, kind of like uh, what happened not that long ago I mean, it's yeah, sentiment yeah. versus police officers you know, shifted dramatically you yep. know, uh, people became very anti-police, people I thought were friends suddenly were treating me differently because I was in the police academy while all the stuff was going on um So hmm. I when I graduated from the academy, I turned 19 shortly thereafter. So I knew I was giving up a little bit of time of my certification. And I thought things would kind of blow over a little bit. but by the time I was looking for uh, jobs to be able to actually get hired on, Everybody officer, was on a
1: hiring freeze.
0: They were either on hiring freezes or I was going to, I, so I could get hired on. I had offers from like Stockton. Um, but the turnover rate was so high. I mean, people were getting hired on and they weren't lasting. Um, mm. And so I I didn't want to go get a job just just to go into a bad area. Right, right. Um, so I, I was going to areas that I wanted to get. And so I went to one, Nevada County Sheriff's Department, no exaggeration. They got like two positions open and there were like 3,000 applicants. Wow. And, and most of them were trying to transfer out of Southern California. So, so most, like of them <laughs> were, yeah, most of them were officers that already had, I mean, so these are entry-level positions and people with like two, three, four, five years on the job were willing to give up and start over just to get out of SoCal.
1: So then we we had a family meeting basically and, and decided that we like, he had a nine to five job where he wasn't getting shot at making a shit ton more than he would as a law enforcement officer.
0: Well, I was making, I was making a decent wage (laughs) holidays off. What were you doing? Steady hours. So ultimately it's the company I work for now. It's what brought me to Florida. (laughs) Um, So a, a buddy of mine calls me up one day and says, I work at this company. They have a customer service position open. Are you interested? I hated the job I was in. I said, sure. So I drove from Stockton to Modesto. I went in, I sat down with the owner of the company and no resume, no nothing. This is all, you know, buddy threw my name in the hat. I sat down, interviewed. I got offered the job that night and for more money than than I was making. And so Mm, I was like, I'm going to do it. So it was a company called American Panel Industries. It later got bought out by another company called Metecno. that later then got bought out by another company called Kingspan. <laughs> During that time period in all of these acquisitions, there used to be another company in the land called a Lumishield. Lumishield also got purchased by Metecno, which then also got purchased by Kingspan. And so when Kingspan took over, they uh they made me an offer and said, uh, you know, I like what you do in Modesto. Would you like to build that department in Deland? So uh-huh.
1: he's a drafting manager for a metal building company, basically. Well, no. it's
0: weird though, because when I got hired on, I went to customer service. I didn't I I, I could I barely draft. But the my my first week on the job, <laughs> my drafter quits. Um and so my buddy who got me into the job, I looked at him and I said, I've got customers. I'm only one week on the job. I'm like, I got customers already screaming at me. <laughs> like, that doesn't look that hard. Show me what I need to know. Show me the commands and I'll figure it out. And then so what, you like AutoCAD or
2: something? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So, so you so learned I'm, CAD and you, you, I didn't even know that you had another job over here. I thought yeah, uh, yeah. wolf was your jam.
0: Oh, I wish
1: <laughs> that's, the goal. that's the ultimate goal.
0: That's the ultimate goal. I'll probably, no I'll probably be old enough to retire by the time that happens.
2: Yeah. I mean, once I, and it seems like, uh, you know, obviously you're good at what you do and you enjoy it and it, it, um, it's what allowed you to do this other stuff too on the side right you're able to yeah, uh, yeah. get enough it's always funny
0: because every, everybody i talk to they always think that like, oh, you have that, a that dark wolf is is my job and i'm like man no i'm i'm like everybody else man i put in my 12 hours a day and i'm dying to hit the mats or i'm dying period and what
2: kind of it's a testament to your dedication to dark wolf you know, oh,
0: that's what, we, that's what we <laughs> It's tell people, man, it's, it's my therapy. I mean, it really is. I, I found that out a long time ago. Found that yeah. A long awesome, time man. ago.
2: Um. Yeah. With the cop thing. Funny enough, when I first got out of the Air Force, um. I had, uh, got accepted to the police academy too. My uncle's a cop okay. down at uh, at the time West Palm Beach, so he was a, a Palm Beach County sheriff. And I got accepted into their program being prior military, but I had to wait for the right. next cycle. Yep. So I had like six months to wait. Um, and I said, you know what? Let me just try this IT stuff um, while I'm waiting. If I don't like it, I could just go back right. to you know, yeah. doing the cop stuff. Um, and <clears throat> I literally get a job three uh, months later. I got certified. I got A plus, net plus, and got certified and kind of started my whole IT career. But yeah, it's funny. We... Uh, you know, even share similarities with the cop thing. Yeah. I was, I was almost a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Which, so, I mean,
0: man, I mean, I still, I mean, it, it's still one of those things I tell people. I mean, my time in the police academy is probably one of my favorite years of my professional life. Hmm. Um, obviously, personal life, there's, there's some other, other events in there, but in my professional life, it's probably one of my all time favorite years of my life. I was working a full-time job. I was going to the police academy. The, the academy itself was 20 hours of academy work during Monday through Friday. And then typically at least a Saturday, if not Saturday and Sunday. Wow. And and I was carrying 16 credits in college at the same time. And training. And training. Killing it. I I don't remember sleeping. <laughs> um, but it opened my eyes so big. Um, it was the first thing that when I was doing it, I got my first taste of grappling. Mm-hmm. You know, I never wrestled. I never did any of that stuff. I saw, I saw value in it, but I never did it. Um, but that was my first taste of grappling. Um, but it was, it was so minor though. Like, I remember my, so my first introduction with Caesar. Um, he's it's 1996. I've already been training with Eric. Um, you know, for, for a number of years, both in Okinawa Goju and training with him when he was a white belt in, uh, in jiu-jitsu. And then officially in 1996, I've got the, I got the stuff somewhere. I can get the actual exact date. Um, but in 1996, Caesar comes to Lodi, California, and we officially put on Eric's gym, the Caesar Gracie logos on the window um, as an affiliation. It's uh, I believe it's Caesar's first affiliation. So Caesar comes out. It's Caesar, David Terrell, and David Camarillo. Um, they're both okay. blue belts at the time. Wow. And so Caesar is like, All right, everybody, I want to show uh, Montaleao. Like, who knows that? Nobody says anything. And he goes, You know, Karate Restraint and everything. I'm like, Karate Restraint? I got that in the academy. I'm raising my hand up, everything else. At the time period, I'm walking probably about 225, maybe 230. Um, you know, and when I graduated the police academy, I was 8% body fat. So I, I, I considered myself physically to be uh, pretty good. He, he knelt down, let me put my arms around his neck and never defended. And he gave me 60 seconds. Mm. I could not tap him. And then he goes, man, he goes, that was a lot of pressure. He goes, but no choke. He goes, now it's my turn. So he sat me down and Three he put one, one hand around my neck and the other behind his back and, and choked me with one hand. And then I was like, I was sold. I was like, That's I the gotta magic. I got to do this. I, do this. <laughs> I have to.
2: That's nice. Going back to the cop thing, the good segue there that I was thinking too, Like, what do you think about people talking about Cops should have some formal training, right? They should 100%. be at least, right? 100%. I mean, it makes sense.
0: Now, I mean, so I... here's the part that kills me though. So when I started jujitsu, we joke about it now. Two types of people on the floor, cops and thugs. Mm-hmm. Okay. At the time period, it was a different crowd. It, it, was, it was fairly rough. It wasn't the average Joe coming in. Right. I trained back then in the nineties, in the mid nineties, I trained with a lot of law enforcement a lot of law enforcement and in that particular environment with sensei Eric and the like, I mean, there was a lot of law enforcement mm-hmm. that, that, that came through that program. Um, and over the years, we've seen it thin out. The amount of law enforcement definitely has, uh, has gone down.
2: Now, right now with you guys, do you guys have with Darkwoof, do you have any law enforcement guys?
0: We have a couple. Um, now, we joined the uh, Adopt-A-Cop program. I'm not sure okay. if you guys... No, no, I think I did see that. Yeah. Did you make a post about that? Yeah. So so Adopt-A-Cop is an organization. Um, we we signed up for it. And what happens is right now is we, we have an officer that we sponsor 100%. Um, hmm. We sponsor his training. And uh, as part of our agreement with Adopt-A-Cop, we sponsor them all Tell the way that. up to Bluebell. Now, as part of that with adopt a cop we also made an agreement with adopt a cop to do reduced rates for law enforcement and here's the beauty for it so we we sponsor one officer 100 percent. we have a reduced rate with adopt a cop and the officer so now the officer because we have our one sponsor and then the officer any other officers that come in Pay us the reduced rate, and then they can go to Adopt a Cop and, and get reverse. it reimbursed. And oh. Adopt
1: a Cop throws them down geese, right. Rash guards. So, and
0: so they 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 can they can virtually train free, <clears throat>
1: at un- least up to blue.
0: Up to blue under the Adopt a Cop program.
2: That's pretty Um, awesome. So they are some uh, a nonprofit program. They take donations and
1: yeah, they take donations,
0: everything else. And like I said, so so even I mean, even the reduced rate that that the officers do is not that much. And they can get that reimbursed through Adopt-A-Cop. Now, Adopt-A-Cop is um, here. I can look him up. It's a it's an MMA fighter that uh, heads that up. Yeah,
2: That's definitely a really cool um nonprofit way to get cops in there and and to kind of help that because I definitely think I mean you guys see it too, right? Once once you get some training, the confidence you have, not freaking out. And some of these cop videos, it's so crazy. Like
0: they would only oh it's horrible. I watched one the other day that uh the Henner put out and like four officers are holding a dude down while one officer is literally punching the dude in the face like six Mm -hmm. times. There is no part of controlling and restraining somebody that requires you to be punching them in the face. No.
1: Yeah. A skilled a, a skilled cop in jiu-jitsu would have a better time apprehending somebody with little to no injuries to either party.
2: Yep. And their they stress just, level would be down. Oh, They'd yeah. They should confident. be able to control
1: that individual without causing any major harm you know in and get them under control relatively easy
2: yep yeah i think that's a great program that's awesome that you guys uh partnered with them yeah. um
0: yeah well, there's there's a lot of places that. now that uh because I, I think, we, <coughs> well, pretty I think we well i think we got into them relatively early yeah um and and they've definitely started to grow um like i saw uh jason harris with red panda just joined um somebody else local I just saw. So, so they have, uh, it's, it's also, a, it's an organization, uh, MASF. Um, and they're, they're the ones that basically do the, uh, do the adopt a cop. Um, okay. It, it's an MMA fighter. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up. It's a, it's an MMA fighter that, uh, that kind of spearheads this thing. Uh, Mitch Aguiar.
2: Okay. I have to take a look at that.
0: Yeah, apparently, uh, I guess he's like former military and then fought uh, fought some MMA. I'm not sure how, how high up he went, uh, but he fought uh, fought MMA, things of that nature, runs his own academy. Um, and I guess he's the one that kind of spearheaded the, uh, the whole thing. But uh, no, so far it's been because it, it's been tough. We've, we've offered uh, military law enforcement first responder discounts for a while.
1: We've offered free, like three months free. Yeah. And still we don't, you know, you just don't get the cops to come get in.
0: Getting the Leos to come in. We've had firefighters, yeah. we've had paramedics, mm-hmm. we've had, but getting the Leos to come in is, uh, is a little tough. That's
2: interesting. I wonder why, I don't know why that would, you know, be the case. Even my uncle, that's a cop. His, um, his sons have started training uh jujitsu and MMA down there in um, it's actually Jupiter they're at now, okay. so um, yeah. Even he, he's getting it in and, and telling me how great it is and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I told you.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, so I, I seriously, when I was in the police academy and we started doing some of the, uh, some of the, the restraint, I, was, I, I was like, man, this is, this isn't, this is cool. I mean, I had already dabbled in Aikido, I had dabbled in some, some other stuff. So I kind of, you know, wet my whistle a little bit, but this was this is the first time that you know we 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 did a little bit more hands on, and even then it was really light um, cuz like we weren't even allowed to choke each other. We weren't allowed to do a carotid restraint or a rear naked on each other. Um, we squeezed each other's legs. That's that's <laughs> how you train. No joke. Yeah, you come up, you wrap up one of the dude's legs, you get your arms in position, you squeeze and you're like, "Oh my god, Hurts. that's a lot of pressure and you're like my god i can't imagine that around my neck you know and now we look back and we laugh at it yeah <laughs> we're like, <It's> a <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> we're like man, man.
2: switching subjects real quick to the mma who do you guys have with uh adesanya versus yan ufc
0: man yeah I, I i i'm an adesanya fan okay um, I'm not a major Adesanya fan, but uh, I don't know. There, there, there's something about the kid that uh, that I like.
2: Yeah, he's different, right? Um, having all that uh, striking I mean, background, it, it's almost like
0: obviously oh, right. the question with Adesanya is going to be who will be the first one to test him on the ground.
2: Hmm. Yeah, you know? I mean, with people talking about him versus John Jones, that's definitely where I see that fight going.
0: Now, now here, here, I, okay. Unfortunately, I'm not a fan of John Jones. Boo. Um, I'm not a fan. I haven't been a fan for a long time. And this is before his drug problems. This is before all that stuff. That's
2: what I was going to ask. Is it a personal thing or just as the now, fight? It's, okay. So,
0: so years and years and years, this goes back a long ways, man. This is before podcasting, a lot of stuff there. The sure dog website had forums, online forums, Oh
2: yeah, I'm still the underground.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wrote a short essay opinion piece. And I called it John Jones was already the champion. And I called it the champion that time forgot. That was that was the header of my piece. And I wrote this short essay opinion piece about John Jones, about how I'm I was and still am a rabid fan of MMA. Now, back then, it was different. Shows were fewer, you know, and farther between. I was the professor, man. I could, I could tell you every stat. I could tell you everything that happened uh, by memory. I could tell you the, you know, how the fight went, the breakdown, all that stuff. But I found myself getting bored with his fights. Um, not because he wasn't a fantastic fighter. Um, it, it was more the opposite. It was the same thing. I, I was around when Mike Tyson was the most feared man on the planet. Um, right. But I wasn't going to drop the money for a Mike Tyson pay-per-view. Right, right. I was very interested to hear the outcome. I was very interested to watch the highlights. But he became so good for a time period where you already thought the outcome of the fight was predetermined. So you didn't really care. The the interest wasn't as high. And that's where I was with John Jones. In my article, though, or in my paper that I wrote, you know, I also kind of touched on, so I touched on one, he had no real nemesis. Um, When we look back in history, we don't necessarily remember the best fighters. We remember the best pairings.
2: Fights, yeah.
0: We remember the best fighters because they had a nemesis that pushed them it was Hagler Hearns it was
2: you know Ali Frazier
0: Ali Frazier man it was it wasn't just a fighter it was then also known you know by who was the one that pushed them and part of my article that I wrote John Jones didn't have that guy
2: Hmm.
0: he didn't he didn't have anybody in his division that was that guy um and so I kind of wrote this piece about the, uh, and then I also alluded though, in the article that there was an intangible that I just, I pointed to it saying something to the effect of, you know, that I just, I visually didn't think he was the man he portrayed. Um, and man, I gotta tell you, I got fucking lit up in that forum. I got blasted. Um,
2: that's that's hilarious the underground is brutal too when they start
0: yeah i'm telling you i i man i (laughs) i got yeah i got brutalized um and unfortunately the bad part is um i i hate to say it but a lot of what i pointed out in 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 my article kind of came to fruition i mean it it kind of started popping up um you know i didn't i didn't know i mean when he started having his drug problems and then you know, obviously the Pico hiding under the,
2: the the cage, that yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and doing all that stuff. I mean, I I I just yeah, you know, like I said, I, I just kind of I don't know. There was something about him that so when when the time comes, if if the Adesanya Jones fight happens, even though I'm not a fan, I still gotta pick Jones. Think, yeah, that's
2: what I'm saying. Like. And it's just because what you alluded to, who's going to be the one to test him on the ground that can take him down consistently, keep him down um, and keep his best um, skill, you know, at bay, which is the striking. Now, Jones tends to I don't know if it's his ego why he does this. He's just good enough. He can. But if you look at it like when he fought Ryan Bader, he wrestled him first because yes. that was his best thing. You know when he fought uh, and, so, and he always goes he does that it's like but, he wants to prove something
0: but Adasanya and jones are already trading shots mm-hmm. in social media um so depending on what the lead up to them actually signing looks like because one of the issues that jones has had is motivation um he was so good that he started talking about how he wasn't training, he was partying, and, oh, yeah. and everything else. And so with Adesanya and with Jones, I think it may be one of those things. I think I think we may see a another rare performance where Jones takes the fight seriously.
2: Yeah. No, As I, I can definitely
0: see that. The, 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 the trade-offs that they're doing in social media right now um, you know either they're doing a masterful job of making something that doesn't exist or there's a little animosity that's brewing I mean,
2: and and the the lead up to this uh, it would be like a, a super fight right is they're yeah. both kind of off doing their own thing now um is trying to get that light heavyweight strap and John's is up at heavyweight trying to be that so by the time they come together it's going to feel like a super fight you know oh yeah yeah you know
0: but then the question is is do they (coughs) do they actually make it happen or is this just a a, a way for them to, to just create the buzz on their names i mean yep that's
2: that's something you always wonder too that's what that's how i kind of feel with the whole gsp khabib thing like that's a super match that I would love to see, but I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, I wish it would happen. Who, yeah. who would you take in that fight? That's a good one.
0: Well, so it's got, it's kind of a tough Cause I mean, he trains all the time. So anybody who wants to, to say that, you know, he's not ready things that, I mean, that, that dude is a consummate professional. He loves true training. martial artists. He loves the martial arts. Yep. Um, So uh, it's even though he's been gone for a little while, I mean, he's still going to, he's still going to look fantastic.
2: Yep. Uh, I agree.
0: Habib. uh, At this stage of where he's at, that's the one real question. You know, he, he, he retired, but what does that mean? I have, I mean, my, my personal thing, when they're throwing it out there saying that he promised his, his mom, um, I mean, and he, he seems to be a very devout individual. Um, right. So then I kind of question, you know, like right now, like I mean, what, what is he doing? Um, I, yep. I have to believe he's staying active. I don't, I don't see him as an individual that, uh, that just walks away. I mean, he's very dedicated. You look at him, you look at his friends and his team and everything else. Yeah, their whole life's training. Yeah. He is as dedicated as it comes. I mean, probably deeper than most people would ever even suspect. Um, cause I think with some of his Dagestan teammates and the like, I think, I think, think some of their loyalties go deep into not just we're, we're teammates because we fight together. I think they I think their loyalties are deeper than that. Um,
2: yeah. right. Yep. I, I think that fight too. Um, The weight might be a thing like if gsp really had to cut to 55 would he be the same gsp at that cut right Um, or do they
0: or do they do a catch weight in the middle
2: right because i mean that's to be honest with my mma fights i felt like that was um i never felt like i performed my best in my fights and uh it's because i always felt like i was drained
0: how much were you cutting
2: um too much for me anyway i was fighting at 145 and i was cutting at like uh, maybe like 15 pounds starting like 160 um week of and cutting and i've just i never had a cut for anything i didn't have an athletic so, you were, so you were doing
0: 15 pounds the week of the fight
2: yep wow yep it was my um Definitely my biggest thing, I think, with all my fights was my weight. Um, and not Because at that, that
0: weight, at, at 45, I mean, to do that quantity in, in, in the final week, I mean, that, that's, a, that's 10% of your body mass.
2: Yep. I was doing stupid stuff, too. I just wouldn't eat. I was literally um, not eating for a couple of days and then just sipping on water. That's what yeah, people to see
0: it's different. You know? Like I, I had friends that would that would cut 20 pounds in in the like the last three days, four days. Mm. But you're talking people who were weighing 220. Right. You know, so when you look at it from a percentage of body mass, you know, that it's a crazy. much smaller percentage. I mean, yeah. when you're talking 10%, that's that's pretty significant in that short of a time period.
2: Yeah, and I felt it. I mean, I felt in, you know, I felt gassed after the first round, you know? Wow. So that's, that's why I look at that. And I look at, I always tell people like, especially casual fans, I'm like, man, you guys don't realize the fight that most of these guys have before the fight and then oh, yeah. how that yeah. affects you during, you know? Cause I mean, I felt times, you know, you know how it is. You start getting in the flow with training. You feel like you could roll forever or you oh, could yeah. just keep on going. And then, I get in the fight and I'm like, one round. Why am I so tired? (laughs) No, I gotta admit, I like,
0: I like a weight cut. I I I personally believe that fighters are better with a weight cut, but it's a small one, not a big one. Right. Um, You know, it's it's not about cutting. You know, obviously, when when I mean, right now, everybody's about you know training camps. Like I gotta have a training camp. Uh, My 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 crew and my group that we came from, the concept was fight ready. 24 um, seven. Cause you never knew when opportunity was going to knock, you know? So
2: yeah. Stay ready to be ready. Thing, stay, right? Yeah.
0: Stay ready all the time. It was, it was always ready. Um, but when we got people getting ready and everything else, I mean, we, we definitely look at where they're at, how much time we have to get them down to the weight that they're doing. Cause we, I like, like I said, I like people to have a, a cut. I, I like them to have that little, that little sacrifice, just not a big one. Yeah. Um, Cause I can honestly say now I'm a, I'm an ultra heavy. I've been, I've been an ultra heavy uh, most of my, my competition years, um, you know, but then like one day I tore my left calf and I was hobbling around bad. And I went from 240 pounds competition ready at the time period, about 12% body fat I mean, not a super low body fat but a, a respectable body fat for 240. And with my calf torn, I went up to about just shy of 290. I mean okay. my, my weight went up because I wasn't I wasn't hardly able to walk. Um, you know I, was, I was, wasn't training very well you know I, just, I, mean, I had a hard time even you know doing anything that would give me a good sweat. Yeah, my, my leg was pretty tore up and then so i i made it through that i healed up and then i'm looking at my weight and like i said i'm walking around probably about 287 288
2: mm-hmm. and
0: i saw a competition and they put a rare weight limit of 225 and so i, I told my wife i said i normally don't do it but i'm going to make 225 and i had just shy of two months to do it and, uh, so first time, I mean, I've, I've done it three times in my life. First time I did it, uh, I should have gone to the hospital. Um, really? yeah, it's, it, it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't do it very smart. I starved myself. I started my dehydration way too soon before weigh-ins. And I was, uh, ultimately I was vomiting, um, the night of weigh-ins. Um, I did oh. my weigh-in. I made, I made my weight, everything else. And then while I was rehydrating, about a half hour, 40 minutes later, projectile vomit everywhere. Um, and, and yeah, it, it sucked ass.
2: Yeah, you were going through.
0: It was bad. Uh, I, I couldn't eat solid foods for almost two weeks. Mm, holy crap. Now, the second time I did it was Phenomenal. Um, this time, I, I wasn't as heavy. Uh, I was still frustrated, though. I came off another injury, so I was about 270, but I had a month and a half. I had less time, but uh, I made weight. I actually weighed 223, and by the time I stepped in for competition, <laughs> I was 255 <laughs> on the mat, so... Wow it was
2: fun yeah that's a big a big jump i know with um so with me i was right around when i started training seriously again and i knew i wanted to fight i was probably around 190 pounds like i wasn't uh i was chubby you know i'm an it guy right so i was you know i was the the typical it guy no real sports i didn't really have any sports oh, backgrounds yeah. um and then i started doing this and i dropped from you know 190. And fought at 145. So, wow. yep, and that's. I should probably be, have fought. Like my body type, I look at a lot of the other guys. I know if I diet right and do all that stuff, I probably would have been a 35 or at least, or, wow. or maybe even less. But um, because there's 35ers that look. I mean, you see it now, like, as the years keep going. These guys are getting better and better and cutting more and getting better at cutting oh, yeah, 35ers yeah. at combat night that are huge. They're like, how the hell does that guy get to 135? <laughs> well,
0: that was that was me. Because like I said, I, I was walking around. My competition weight was about 240. And I went to, uh, Melissa and I <clears throat> went to UFC 249. I had a couple friends fighting on the card, And I stood next to Tito Ortiz. And I, I, I stood next to him, and I looked at him, and I was like, how the hell do you make 205?
2: Yeah, because I mean, he's he, huge, right? He
0: dwarfed me. I mean, I was looking at him. Like I said, I, I was literally standing next to him at about 240, and I'm looking at him. He's taller than me. His body was thicker, and his head was massive. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I'm looking at it like, how do you make 205?
2: Yeah, that's what gets me is is getting to that shape. I know now one of my goals is, um, since obviously I'm not, I don't see myself having an MMA fight anytime soon. Um, I'm 36 years old, kind of focusing on other things, but I do want to get some more jujitsu tournaments. I want to have some goal, right? Because when I was getting right. ready for my fights, um there was motivation there. Like I was oh, trained better. You yeah. Train I'm up better. for a reason. I have a purpose. Like, all right, I got to get up early. I got to get this in, I got to work out. I got to, so it's um, I, I want the, that feeling of competition again at some point. And then even just working out uh, getting stronger uh, doing that and applying it with the jujitsu. Um, so yeah, that's probably going to be one of my next, next goals. Get, get uh ready for a tournament. So nice. that should be pretty cool.
0: Now, when, when did you start doing blades?
2: Oh, so the knives is right after my last fight. Um, I had my third MMA fight. I won it. And um, I'm wondering like, what am I going to do? Um, am I going to try to continue fighting? Uh, and like, what am I fighting for? Cause I'm already older. I kind of got into this late Yeah, and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm, you know, I make good money as an IT guy. Uh, like, what is my goal here? Like, do do I have an end game? Do I want to do this? And then I just found myself falling down my other rabbit holes. Like, well, what else do you like? You you said you wanted to learn how to make knives after you stopped, you know, gaming and stuff. You wanted to go down that rabbit hole. And I did. And it kind of filled that, um, that void where, you know, I do the day job. I do all that stuff. Kind of like what you do. Right. And then you kind of have, have your, your, um, your me time, which is your jujitsu. Right. Um, and then knives kind of filled that up as well. It gave me that artistic side. So I love art. Um, and I love knives and it, it was an outlet. Um, and it, uh, so yeah, right after my last fight, I think my last fight was 2015.
0: Okay. So it's been a little minute.
2: Yeah. And I've been doing knives now for about five, six years. And, um, it, it's been crazy. These five or six years, I found a mentor, who's like in the business has production knives out. And I just kind of followed his lead on a lot of things, a lot of the lessons he taught me. And, um, I now have, uh, that Kaiser deal. So six years into knife making, I have my own production knife deal. That's like, you know, that's huge. I didn't think it would come that fast. Um, nice. and, uh, it's, you know, Kaiser's not a huge company, but for me, I'm like, pfft, I'm, I feel like I'm just – I feel like I'm still – maybe I'm a blue belt in knife making, I feel like. So so you know? Kaiser,
0: are they uh, basically taking your design, and then they're going to be the ones to kind of like mass produce it?
2: Correct. So they, they license my design, and then I make a royalty nice. um, off of them uh, making it. So – the other thing that that brings is kind of like another revenue stream where I can really – instead of just making all my knives, I can really become a knife designer. So there's right, guys yeah. in the industry that they're known just from their funky designs. They don't actually – Like a uh,
0: – uh, what was it, do you say? Hill Gibbons or Gibbon Hill or something like that? I don't know. I don't know about that.
2: <coughs> uh, there I, is, have a,
0: uh, I, I have a couple of blades. I mean I, I look at them. I, I changed over the years. I have some blades right now. They're They're beautiful but they're not real if that makes sense
2: okay like the fantasy style
0: yeah they're beautiful looking blades but you know it's one of those things i would never want to to actually use them Um, right right that kind of stuff and then i've got some other stuff some other blades that are beautifully functional Mm. i mean they're they're gorgeous looking knives. I love I love the artistry and in aids I don't, I, I've always dug that stuff. Um, you know, but uh, you know, but like I said, I love I love having that knife that you can actually use. Um,
2: yeah, and that's what I'm trying to strike that that balance between that. Like, um, you know, because a lot of the knives I make are like fun. You know, like I make that shark tooth where it's the design of a shark, but right. it can actually do some some you know uh, good damage in a self-defense situation it got the rain there's so many so it's functional but it's fun right um and that's like uh, even that little uh, mini cleaver um it's a functional knife to be honest I use my little cleaver all my amazon boxes they get tore up with my little <laughs> 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 mini cleaver I use that thing like every day um but it's a fun knife too you know it's it's not something that i that's a cool it's a cool
0: looking blade that's your what you call butcher
2: yeah that's my little mini butcher
0: yeah
2: um i got yours coming you went at that uh bronze anno right yeah yeah so that see that one is pretty cool too because so i i told kaiser they had made just a, a normal version of the knife with a tan micarta handle on it and i said hey I want to do a special edition version just for my website, and these are the specs that I want. I want them numbered. I want them this, and they actually did it. And I was oh, that's awesome! So that's uh, that knife that you're getting. There's only 50. That's all there will ever be of of that, um, you know, configuration. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do: just have different special projects, get a bunch of knife deals out there, and uh, just try to get better at it. You know?
0: Yeah, so I, it's another thing that I love. Um, my, most of what I do, the things I tend to gravitate towards, they're also quasi unique. Um, and so, yeah, when I, when I saw the little butcher, I I was like, I was like, yeah, that thing looks a little cool. Like, (laughs) I kind of dig it. Um, you know, there's, I mean, man, people can make a thousand drop points out there. They can make a thousand Bowie knives, things of that nature. And, you know, they, they're, they're good, they're functional and everything else, but there's, there's something about having, you know, a slightly unique curve or a slightly unique shape that you just don't see all the time.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, a thing that I like about knife making um, and jujitsu, right? There's it's such a deep well to um, draw from that, like seeing these different knife makers. I've had um, talk to a lot of makers been making 20, 30 years seeing the lessons they learned i mean you could take a lot of these lessons to life to and you could do the same thing with jiu-jitsu and actually things i've learned in knife making i've been able to transfer over uh and vice versa so there there's so many different things um that i enjoy i forget who was uh there's like a famous saying like learn learn the way in one thing and you'll know it in many something like that and, and i see that you know like when you're trying to pursue anything Um, and try to be the best at it. There's lessons to be learned there. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with the knife stuff, man. I want to get that, that skill up there and I just enjoy it. I lose myself. That's how they say, you know, you're in the flow. You just lose time. Um, I lose time with knife making, uh, I lose time with jujitsu, uh, and, you know, just trying to follow the passions.
0: I tried, I tried once. Um, I got, uh, uh, So uh, uh, it's a Musashi. uh, Yes. Yeah. If you you know the way broadly, uh, you'll see it in everything. Yes. uh, Loosely, loosely translated. Um, But yeah, I I tried like way, 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 way back when I was younger. Um, My dad, I don't know how he did it, but he he got a hold of a small railroad, uh, like a a piece of railroad iron.
2: Mm, Um, Okay. Like a spike?
0: No, no, no. Like, uh, like a piece of the the railroad, the track. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the wrought like the, iron, probably right. Yeah, the big, big chunk. So, so that became my anvil. That was when I was younger. Um, that I, the thing was about. I mean, it was super heavy, but the thing was about probably uh, eighteen inches long, somewhere through there. And and to a ten-year-old kid, man, that thing was a beast. Um, and then my dad worked in construction. So out there on the uh, the property, yeah, I could come up with uh, you know a steel bar here or there, and right. um, yeah, I used to take you know a short sledgehammer, I'd, I'd shove the bar in to the bottom of a burn barrel when we were you know burning some stuff or whatever, pulled out when it was hot, yeah, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> but I beat it on that railroad. You know, that piece of railroad, you know, fanned out one end and, and like formed a, a half moon blade on the end of one. I mean, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, because my hammer marks are trash. And, <laughs> that's but, the fun uh, part though, right? Like, that's, oh man, I used to, I used to spend a lot of time doing that. I mean, I never formed anything. Um, but I used to, I used to pretend or, or, or dabble at, you know, trying to forge a blade out of a steel bar or or something so have you like ever that.
2: like drawn any knife designs or anything oh yeah yeah or over my years
0: have... i've 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 done a, a number of of design now where where any of them are at this day and age i drew a lot when we were doing a lot of role play um you know mm, uh, yeah drag and stuff like that i did a lot of drawings um of knife designs back then
2: you know, it's funny you say that because I try to take different, like, even with the butcher, um, there's elements of fantasy style knives, like the different, like you said, the curves, the way that they, yeah. you know, like, um, I always pull from that as well when I'm making designs. But yeah, man, if you ever um, have some funny little design, you want to try to make a fixed blade, you know where to come. I got the shop in the
0: backyard. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have to uh, take you up on that because I. I have a it, it's been in my brain for the better part of about 10 to 12 years oh yeah um, okay. but i I have a I had it I've had this idea bouncing around in my brain of a set of kitchen fighting knives
2: <laughs> I love it
0: um but but they there legit is some uh, some real stuff behind it though like, um, my my parents went up to uh, Alaska, brought us down a knife called an ulu.
2: Yep, I know that knife exactly.
0: Yep, love. I've got probably uh, five are, of them.
2: They at, are they the they're that weird like sweep, and they use them a lot for skinning. Is that the yes? Knife? Yes. Okay.
0: Yep. And I am I use my ulus for everything, um, mm-hmm. and so I I, I was kind of this this design has been going through my head for a while is a merger per se between your typical kitchen cutlery um the aspects of the ulu of like i I can't even tell you i have destroyed so many cutting boards with my ulus um because their cutting power is incredible um they're they're nice you know those like those little the the like the rollout cutting boards that you can just like plop down virtually anywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. they're, they're thin, but they're kind of plastic, you know, and and most of the time they do a good job. I mean, they'll stop most knives. My ooze slit right through them. Wow. Okay. I I did. I didn't even realize that I was, I was cutting through, I was prepping a, uh, uh, prepping some meat for a grill. And when I pulled up my, My my little portable cutting board, um, it had slices in it. It was like cut all the way through. That's hilarious.
2: You know, so you actually probably have more real world experience with that knife. I've actually um, was looking at that knife. I made one knife similar to that style because if you go online, you could go down rabbit holes of people talking about that knife design and how much they like it. It's like legendary, like a Canadian... Thing, right, so I'm like, man, I gotta, I, I want to figure out what this is, and I made my own version, um, and then I've looked at that knife many times to try to, what's the secret sauce in that? So yeah, man, if you, um, that's pretty awesome. If you do want to work on one, I am down. That is yeah. So like I said,
0: I, I, I kind of, I, I had some stuff that, you know, like I said, I, I told him, listen, I'm like, man, one of these days, I'm like, because I, so. So kind of mixing up a whole bunch of the stuff. So if you remember back, Steven Seagal did the uh, the movie Under Siege. Yep. Okay. And so in that, in that thing, you know, he's playing a, a chef on the, the boat, and you know, ultimately, I mean, he's he's like taking his knives and he's got like a like a dartboard up in the kitchen, and you know, periodically he's throwing the knives, you know, his cooking utensils at the uh, at the, the dartboard. <laughs> And I, I told Melissa, I was like, I was like, man, how cool would that be, to have a set of kitchen cutlery, you know, like like some chef knives, mm-hmm. that are fantasy fighter inspired, rather than just your typical, you know, carving knife or or whatever. And right. so and that's when I started looking at them, going, well, uh, this this is the aspect of the ulu I love, this is the versatility of the ulu. Of why I choose it most of the time instead of you know most of my uh, most of my kitchen knives, and I was like, what if I was able to kind of like put them together? Let's do it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> down. <Franklin>. <laughs> 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 well, think about it. So, so my design. So you have, uh, you have like your traditional rifle. So the action is behind the barrel, and behind the the uh, and the trigger mechanism is in the back of that. And then you have the pup design, which goes trigger forward and moves the barrel and the action and everything back to the, behind the trigger. Yep. So basically it's like I'm creating a bullpup style <laughs> <laughs> kitchen knife.
2: <laughs> I love it. You have a whole philosophy behind it already. Look at that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can test it out. See if it, uh, how it works. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and that's what I love about making designs and knife making. You can kind of mash different ideas up like that and have fun and draw and then just take a, a piece of steel and, and create, right. you know? So yeah, that's awesome. Definitely we should work on that.
0: Yeah, no, no, I have to, because like I said, this, it's been going around my brain probably for easy, easily a decade, probably longer.
2: <laughs> See, this was meant to be. <laughs> we, have, we have to create it now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other weird part is like, because like the ulus that we have, they're honed on one side only. They're completely flat on one side. They're only the edge is only uh, on mm-hmm. one side.
2: Yeah, chisel ground edge.
0: Mm-hmm. And like I said, I I was completely shocked. The first one when I cut through the cutting board, <laughs> I was like, what the hell.
2: Yeah, learning how to sharpen a knife has been, you know, that was uh, pretty cool once I finally started getting the tricks with that and then learning the different, you know, chisel grinds. Like uh, in, in Japanese culture, they'll have knives, they specifically do that because you get it like a straighter cut um, than if you would do a V grind, right? Because yeah, it's, it's perfectly it's, flat it, on it one it side. That's so clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I so. use
0: it. I use it. So, so I think you were talking about. It. I mean, the Ulu, they they used it for skinning and things of that nature. And, and when I first got it, so in California, um, there's a cut of, of meat meat of beef uh, called a tri-tip that we haven't we have it sometimes out here yeah, in Florida, you but we just, we just don't see it that popular. No. But usually, it's got a thick slab of fat on one side of the uh, of meat, and so you can buy it from the from the butcher trimmed or untrimmed. And un untrimmed is less expensive and, and trimmed you know you pay a little bit more money for it right and i I would get those trimmed or untrimmed it didn't matter it usually had more fat on it than I wanted and I'd take the ulu and come in and then just basically just come in just like you were skinning it just just take that fat layer right off
1: it take stuff like butter
0: uh it, 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 it's 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 an awesome blade I love uh
2: yeah. I, and I want to test some more stuff on the kitchen side. I had a, originally, most of my designs were like fun designs, EDC, uh, designs that whole everyday carry concept. Um, but you know, the kitchen, you know, designing knives for things you do all the time and the kitchen being one of those things. Uh, and I actually started recently to getting into like buying, you know, like, uh, slabs of meat where I had, I have the whole, like, you know slab where i'm doing the new york strips a whole strip loin you know right, yeah. fat off and stuff and i'm like man i need to make my own knife for this like this would right be cool you know so yeah and i've heard of the tri-tips before i don't know if i've uh I, I haven't bought one yet i think the biggest piece was uh buying a strip loin and cutting up my own
0: steaks that way yeah out out here it's not as popular um and the price tag with it definitely shows Uh, When, when you can't find it, I mean, it's right up there with buying like a ribeye or something of that nature. And one of the reasons why we used to love it back on California side is it it was a hair more than getting like a chuck roast, Um, you know, but, but flavorful. um, It's the best bang for your buck yeah yeah it was i mean like i said when we find it out here right now super expensive it's like i said it's right up there with a new york or with uh, a ribeye or or something like that
2: see i went i went down the rabbit holes with the different meats too and and ended up getting like um um wagyu uh like uh, uh, strips for like a5 wagyu um new york strip where it's like super thin but you know the way the Japanese have their cows and how right. the, the fat is um, intermingled with the meat, that's like a yeah. whole other thing to go down. Super expensive, super unique. Again, going back to the Japanese, how they do everything, it's just.
0: Well, definitely the the, the marbling, especially mm-hmm. with beef, the marbling in the meat uh, is, a, is, is a huge factor. Yep. Yeah, the marbling is a huge factor. And unfortunately, most of what we find when we go to the store, it's, it's not that good you got to dig around to, to find one that's got reasonable marbling. Usually it's got like a big, big fat pocket. Um,
2: Yeah. I, and you know, talking about butchers, there's, uh, I saw some, um, advertisement for like a local guy here. That's a butcher that supposedly has some good cuts of meat regularly here, the land Deltona area. Oh, nice. So I, I'm going to have to check them out. And if they end up being pretty good, I'll definitely let you know. But, um, Cause yeah, you're right. Like finding that marbling, most of the time you'd have to go up to like a USDA prime to find like really, you know, quality marbling in, in different pieces. But yeah. um, yeah, that's like a whole nother rabbit hole, you know, going uh, down the rabbit hole of the different meats and marbling, and um, it's always fun. I, I love the rabbit hole.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, now, now exactly. We used to we used to smoke a lot. Smoke meats, that kind of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We did. We we were California side. I had, I had a lot of different smokers and stuff like that. And uh, we every year mixing everything together. You know, uh, UFC almost always had a uh, like a New Year's, Year's uh, like a New Year's Eve or a New Year's Day fight. And uh, we would,
2: we we would get people
0: over to the house. We'd have, we'd get a projector in the garage. And I mean, we put up like a 12 by 12 screen.
2: Oh man, so you're a grill master too.
0: Oh man, well, I'm okay. I mean, I'm okay at the things I do. Um, I'm not I'm not deep in my knowledge, but the, the things I, I did, um, you know, I, I thought I did them well. And, but what nice. we would do is- I haven't the, messed with a smoker at all yet. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I like wet smokers, not uh, not dry ones. Uh, I was wet wet smoke, because um, it, it's hard to, to be What's honest. With, it's hard to you screw know? up a wet smoke, because um, the, the wet, wet, wet smoke yeah, wet smoke introduces moisture into the smoke, so it's really hard to dry the meat out. But like I said, mm. it's, even if you over even if you cook it, you know, overcook it, so you, instead of being like a medium rare or something like that. You could be a little too much. It still ends up being moist. It's not, uh, it's it a little more bad.
2: forgiving then. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. But we would get, uh, the group would pitch in and, uh, we would buy, you know, probably four, four or five. Oh, we, we would buy probably a $150 rib roast.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. Um, and then what we do is, you know, I'd say, you know, I would take the rib roast and I would take it, and probably cut it into thirds. So I would do a third of it as a full-on roast. Then I would take another third of it and cut it into uh, 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 boneless ribeyes. Nice. Um, and then I would take the 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 ribs and cook those as an actual like a you know like an actual rib. Um, <laughs> now I was real big. I loved. Um, there's a teriyaki sauce called soybe. it's one of my all-time favorites mm, um, okay so i would i would take some of the meat and i would do the meat you know with uh, with just the seasoning some of it as ribs some of it as steaks and i would take a third of it and i would marinate it in the soyve teriyaki but you have to be careful cuz teriyaki burns faster than uh, most like your typical marinades cuz there's uh, there's like sugar a sugar sh- content. content to it you have to watch out for it'll it'll burn it'll burn much faster than you expect but uh i would uh marinate it in soy and then after it was smoked you know then i would do a quick sear on the grill and uh there was a a particular uh, mesquite barbecue sauce it's weird it's a it's a fusion of of teriyaki
2: and barbecue
0: with with the, this quick sear with a uh, mesquite barbecue sauce that was that was just unique
2: uh, <laughs> you found a, a good match up there huh
0: yeah yeah
2: that's pretty awesome
0: well man i appreciate it. i'm getting the eyeballs from the missus oh uh-huh.
2: yeah I, I, <laughs> we've been killing it it's uh what an hour 45 minutes hour
1: 45 minutes yeah it's a good one
0: <laughs> man and i'll be honest I, I could i could still talk to you for a lot more um, I mean, we, we barely even got to start talking about knives. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Off, offline. I'll, uh, uh, I'll, I'll PM you a couple photos of my, uh, Hill Gibbons, uh, fantasy knife. Uh, they're, they're fantasy fighters. Nice. Yeah. Now, sure. great. These are fantasy fighters from when Melissa and I got married in 1994. So Nice it's not like today like today today's fantasy fighters man they're 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 pretty wild yeah, yeah.
2: you would probably like a guy named Cass Sabrol, cas Sabral, c-a-s Sabral. i'll have to send him to you sometime he makes fantasy fighters he's a brazilian guy actually oh wow okay like um, he's a um a blade a master bladesmith that you would probably enjoy but
0: and then I'll, I'll show you my one knife i have purchased off the home shopping
2: network <laughs> <laughing> oh nice
0: with the genuine coco bolo
2: (laughs) that is hilarious they got you with that one huh oh
0: yeah they got me (laughs) i think i was 19 (laughs) nice i remember i was like because my mom used to watch the the, uh home shopping network all the time (laughs) and it's these uh these two southern guys very thick southern accents they're uh i mean they 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 to me became the epitome of the uh, home shopping network
2: oh yeah i i watched those videos too uh I, I know exactly what you're talking about
0: so i i just did a uh it was a it was a little skit i kind of came up with i didn't do a very good job of it but i did a voiceover on the video we just posted the other day where uh like during covid i was telling myself, I, I wanted to do some videos of the home grappling network Mm. Uh, where I, I was using their big thick accents, you know, I was like, and if you order right now, right now, we're selling double wrist locks, and I'm willing to throw in for free Kimura Grips.
2: <laughs> you sound exactly, I mean, the timing and the cadence was pretty
0: <laughs> right there. I tell you, I watched them a lot, <laughs> <laughs> especially when they talk about, you know. And this knife right here has genuine Coco Bolo handles.
2: Yep. They love their Frost Cutlery. That's right.
0: <laughs> so so my, my knife has a genuine Coco Bolo handle.
2: <laughs> nice.
0: So, yeah, I'll have to send you a picture of that one. It's For the only sure, knife man. I purchased off of the Home Shopping Network
2: That's awesome, man. Well, it was good talking to you guys. Um, I'll definitely be by to uh, give you that butcher and then get some good training in.
0: Yeah, come on up and train, man. Anytime. 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 You're always welcome.
2: All right, guys. Have a good night. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. All right. bye. Bye.